0: Good morning, everyone. It's Risenstein. What a fun morning it has been so far. It's always fun when Ray is in teaching on the feasts, on the holidays, on the things that maybe, maybe we're not familiar with. Or, uh-huh. or Maybe we need a fresh reminder. And I think that fresh reminder of seeking God's voice mm-hmm. is just so critical. Well, you know, as we've been talking about the different facets, and uh, that's probably the biggest facet for me is the voice of God, learning to hear the voice of God. Because, you know, I've been saved for, um, well, how many years is that now? whatever 1979 from now is (laughs) too many years to do the math quickly but you know i I just find that our phases of our life and uh, you know up and down and obedient not obedient all all these different things and you know the one steady thing for me is the voice of god Mm. you know uh where, where regardless of where i have been he has been very faithful and he's never quiet you know he's always speaking he's always drawing us and you know one of the kind of a neat it's been kind of added later in time but one of the neat aspects of uh pentecost especially is this seeking of god's voice and you know we all do it just a little bit different, and that's fine. You know, some people it's the Word of God; it just speaks to them, and so they just read and read and read and read and read. Some people it has more to do with worship and prayer, and they hear and they connect God in that way. And and some some it's it's prayer. So. One of the neat aspects of Pentecost is all of those kind of come together. So you remember in in the first part of Acts, mm-hmm. Acts chapter 1, they're gathered in what's called an upper room. Right. They describe it as a place they're staying and where the small group of leaders, disciples meet to make decisions. So it's a small room. But this room from Acts 1 is... We kind of get that thought in our mind and then we kind of stay with it. So, and we all, you know, I think all of it, it helps when we have a place, when we're going to encounter God. I found an old house that we used to live in. It was just i had this back porch uh kind of a florida room and i, I love that and i, I miss that because it was where i encountered god so much and it becomes comfortable so it, it is there is a reality of this jesus would go off into the the wilderness into areas to pray and so you got to find a place to connect to god and you know we start talking about this upper room and i think there is some confusion with that one because in acts chapter one um they were gathering in this upper room where they're a little more common to gather. But it's not the same thing when we get to Acts chapter 2 when the when the Holy Spirit falls on this group. The word house in Acts chapter 1 is O-I-K-I-A. It means, go figure, house or home, or <laughs> a place of dwelling. In other words, is where you stay. It's used to describe the place where they were sitting, basically. O-I-K-I-A. Okay, oikai. Oikia oil. So the yogurt means house yogurt? <laughs> go, go figure, <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> But the word used in Acts 2 Acts two, when the Holy Spirit is poured out is oikon, oikon, from the word oikos, oikos, which is predominantly used to mean the sanctuary or the house of God. Still house, but a very different house. It's the temple area. Specifically, it's the temple courtyard. So if you can imagine what the court, the temple looked like back in the day, there were four courtyards in the temple area. One was for the priests, one for the Israelites, one for women, and one for the Gentiles. So in that area, there is more than enough room for hundreds to gather and everyone to react to what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. When we were in Israel, they showed us where there used to be this old burned out building, which was tradition of the Mm -hmm. upper room. And we went into this kind of, I don't know, kind of a courtyard, little area, small area. They said this also could have been it. But Mm -hmm. neither one of those actually fit with what the scripture actually says, specifically the temple courtyard, which would have been the temple mount up there. So the day... When Pentecost arrives, as it had for centuries, since the first Pentecost in Mount Sinai, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, these men are sitting together somewhere in the courtyard of the Israelites, these 120, when this awesome, whirring, roaring, like rushing, violent wind of a tornado blasts into the Temple Mount and into the Temple Courtyard of the Israelites, which is filled to capacity with men, because they're all there for the temple services for the Feast of Weeks. So the Holy Spirit in voice and fire falls on this group of men. You can imagine they'd get your attention. <laughs> they're probably sitting off to themselves to avoid persecution from the others on the Temple Mount. And suddenly God draws all of us attention onto them. Whew, this wind shows up, this fire shows up, and they're all sitting there. So that's one difference is to is to think, are we out you know hiding in this little room not not so much god's trying to bring us out because he wants to draw attention to us in the same way of moses removing that veil god's trying to get us out into the world Mm -hmm. the other thing that's interesting is the switch that god makes from the ten commandments written on stone to what he says he's going to write on our hearts Mm -hmm. so on, on the negative side as a Christian of all those years, I think about the times when my heart becomes stony when it, it stops responding to God. So long after you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or when you when you were saved, either one of those experiences, you can fall away deep into sin but still have salvation, still have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and still have gifts that come with it. And it gets a little bit confusing because when you run into people that are living... Uh, Well, there's just not words to describe it. They're just hellions. And and you're thinking, what? I I knew that person when. How is that possible? Well, the same reason that God chose to engrave his commands on tablets of stone, there's two kinds of letters. There's letters which are written and letters which are engraved. Mm. Now, the difference is that written letters are ultimately separate from what they're written on. They're not one with the paper or the parchment. The letters are of ink, and they kind of adhere to the paper, and then they're one. (laughs) When letters are engraved, though, the letters themselves are from the same medium as that on which they're written. The letters are not something external. They emanate from the stone itself. So when he says, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, so when God does a work in us, it's literally transformative. The, the, the thing he's writing on becomes the words itself. He becomes a part of us. See, you can misuse any gift. You can use them in immaturity. You can use them in sin. You can submit them to the devil. You can walk away from your relationship with the Son into disobedience and throw away your relationship now. And for eternity, you can walk away from God. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's, you know, that's a really simple summary right there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't make a different kind of Christian. He fills you with his presence. He mm. empowers you with his mm. presence. Mm-hmm. He equips you with his presence. He comforts you with his presence, and you can just, et cetera, that one on out. So in Acts 2, when we read about this original outpouring of the Holy Spirit during Pentecost, by chapter 4, as I mentioned earlier, these same people... They're still seeking to be refilled again. They're not going, I got it all. <laughs> it's very, very much the opposite. It says this. On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people. They were in jail and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They had threatened them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See again. ...filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're not talking about just a one-time experience, but when you encounter God, you're going to have a desire for a constant refilling of the Spirit, which we need to change our world right they continually sought to be empowered to accomplish whatever task god assigned to them so they kept getting filled and filled and filled and refilled that's just the way it works so i want to also throw that in is there you know it's the the same difference of seeing yourself as this little upper room or seeing yourself as the temple courts of god if we can change the way we see ourselves see ourselves as god sees us we're going to be in the place when god shows up hello Mm. hello Is this thing on? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) All of this is at the Risenstein Facebook page, the Victory Facebook page, and blog.victory915.com. Part 9, coming up.